Are you ready for God's word? Amen. Amen. Before we get into it, I want to share with you the ladies this past Tuesday had an amazing time. I tell you what, they, uh, I I thought y'all looked up there, so I said, well, did they have a picture of it? I don't know. They had a beautiful time. They had mariachis. They had uh, prizes. They had all kinds of fun out there in the courtyard. They ate some amazing food. As a matter of fact, there were so many people that came. We ran out of food for just a second. And then, uh, and then, and then we made adjustments. And I, I want to let you know, if you didn't make it, I, I want you to know that, that we missed you. We missed you. But I think you missed it. You missed us too. And you may not know that until you, you get here. Ladies, did you have a good time? Encourage your sisters. Yes, yes, yes. Encourage your sisters. You want to make the next one. Uh, we're going to have a family event at the end of the summer that we're going to have, uh, give everyone an opportunity to come to. So I want you to start making plans now emotionally that you're going to be here. Amen. All right. Now, If you're ready for God's word, I want to remind you that we are concluding today probably one of my favorite series uh, entitled Detox. And you might say, Pastor, we've been waiting for when this thing turns physical, because I feel like we need to detox physically. If that's what you're waiting on, then uh, God bless you. You know, there's plenty of places you can go for good information on that. But, but what God put on my heart is detoxing, getting rid of some things, getting the mindset right, letting go of things we need to let go of, grabbing hold of things we need to grab hold of, and detoxing from this world in a spiritual sense. Now, I want to remind you where we've been. We've talked about that we are body, right, soul, and spirit. The body, we live in a very physical world, or what the Bible calls the world. The world is where we interact, or in our bodies, we interact in this world through our flesh. Our flesh. Now, the soul gravitates this way when you're not saved. But once you become saved, what does it mean to be saved? It means you put your trust, your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That means everything changes. It's not a casual understanding of who Jesus is. It's, I believe that that word is true. And if that word is true, then someday I'm going to face him face to face. And if I'm going to face him face to face and he created all of this, then he's not an ordinary God. He's an extraordinary God. And if he's an extraordinary God and he, he's described in grand ways in this word. And because I believe it, it changes everything. It changes the way I live, changes the way I think, changes the way I talk. Come on now. Do you hear me? That's saving faith. When that happens, listen to what the Bible says. And we've already taught on this, so I'm not going to share it again. You can go back and listen to the messages. You come alive in your spirit because the spirit of the living God gives you life as he enters into you. And you become alive. Alive. Okay, so having said all of that, today we're going to conclude with God is love. 
God is love. Let's talk about this love of God. This love of God is based on God's word. I want to remind you, everything we do as Christians, we base it on this word of the living God. This is how we know. This is a spiritual word. It's not a earthly, worldly word. See, in the platform, I've separated it, in case you're new today, in that you've got the world on this side, and then you have the spiritual on this side next to the cross. Because when you receive Jesus Christ and his finished work at the cross, you become alive in your spirit. Then you can understand God's word. The Bible specifically says, until you become alive in your spirit, you cannot understand his word. And so what we're talking about here today is not just understanding of God, but understanding who he is. And the way you understand who he is is you put your trust in him and then he makes you alive by the power of his spirit. You go, man, this is, this is deep. That's why I want us to detox. Because Christianity has become something other than what God describes in his word. It's become some casual prayer that we say and then we continue walking in our own flesh and we think we're saved. Can I tell you, Jesus didn't come to offer, he, some of us think and some people have taken Jesus to be an insurance salesman. In case the fire is real, don't you want to say this prayer? No, 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 no. What Jesus came to offer you is eternal assurance, not insurance. Eternal assurance. We'll talk more about that as we go along. But, but let's read what, what, what the Bible says about love. Watch this. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of who? God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Now I want to highlight a couple of things. He's talking about love. He's talking about this love that is born of God, right? You get to know this love when you are reborn. So he's talking about this rebirth that I've been describing. But then he's also talking about really knowing him. Going beyond an intellectual understanding that there could be a God or I understand that the God in the, in, the, in the Bible is described in certain ways. No, it means really knowing him intimately, intimately. We'll get more into this in a second. But then I want you to see right there in verse 8, who is love? God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Now watch. In this is love. So now he's describing to you what love is. This is a great act of love. The act of love. The act of love. Watch this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That means the atoning sacrifice, the substitute. When we are dead in sin... That means we have a capital punishment facing us when we die. Jesus pays that price and he says, if you want, I can take your place if you believe. That's what salvation is. But I want to highlight a couple more things. 
He says, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. This is huge. You know why? Because too many people think that somehow we get love, therefore we can dictate to God. But notice what the Bible says. God is love, not love is God. Because some have flipped that and said, no, love is God. And we try to dictate to God. Can I tell you, this is how this goes. The way it goes is we as humans say, well, to me, love is. To me, what I'm comfortable with, the way I see love, the way I feel love, the way I've seen love, the way I understand love, the way I've experienced love, the way I enjoy love, the way, and we strive it in so many beautiful, colorful ways. And then we say, and because this is my definition of love, then therefore God is this. Do you see that reverse? No, no, no. The Bible did not say that love is God. The Bible said that God is love. And that God comes from that side, the spiritual, from the heavenly throne of God first. That means we don't get to dictate it. He's already dictated and that's why we just have to recognize it. This is a small distinction, but it makes all the difference in the world. You know why? I'm going to share with you why. Because when we start saying to me, this is love, therefore this is God, we have just committed idolatry. Look to your neighbor and say, stop that. No, seriously. It's called idolatry to make a God in any other image than his image. What do I mean by that? Well, aren't we doing that? Well, to me, this is what love is. Love is X, Y, and Z, and I'm comfortable with all of these things. And sometimes we even describe love as a sin that he said is a sin. How do you get away from that? Think. Think. So watch what the Bible says. This is love. He sent his son into the world. As a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Let me share a couple of things with you that you can write down. Love does not define God, but God defines love is what we've been talking about. Okay? Love does not define God. That means your definition of love does not define who God is. God should define your definition of love. Amen? Now watch this. God is love and God is light and God is spirit. Now I've said them in reverse. Now I'm going to put them in order for you. John, the apostle of Jesus Christ, is writing these words in, in 1 John. But if you go back to John the epistle, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, chapter 4, he says God is spirit. Notice. It's not from the physical world. It's from the spiritual. Love transcends what we understand and think. So he's spirit. Isn't that what he said to the woman at the well? God is spirit. And those who worship must worship in what? Spirit and in truth. Not our truth, but I'm talking objective heavenly truth that's in God's word. I know that for some of us, this detox hurts. You know why it hurts? Because the world has been um, 
brainwashing us for so long that somehow we can define love. No, God defined it. It's in his word. Yeah, but that word makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, me too. And that's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to die to yourself. I had to die to myself. Say, who cares what I believe? Lord, what do you want me to believe? Amen? Now, now watch this. Watch this. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get a little bit closer to the bone here. God is spirit, right? And God is light. Because in 1 John chapter 1, 5 through 10, I don't have it up here because i got plenty of verses. He says this. He says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. And so he says if we walk in darkness, then we don't know his light. And so you can read the verses there, and he says you've got to repent of your sins. Ask him to forgive you, and he is holy and just. He will forgive you, but you've got to meet his love from his side. Amen? So this is what I'm trying to get at. If God is spirit... And God is light, which light means holiness. Watch this. And God is love. Then God's love should be defined by the spiritual holiness that he has determined it to be. Not by the worldly fleshliness that we keep insisting it should be. You get that? Now watch this. Much of what is being called love by modern society bears no resemblance or relationship to the holy, spiritual, godly love that's in this word. That's true. And it's because we don't really know God as society. Remember that idea when he was talking about God as love? He says, to know God is to know his love. Watch what else John says about knowing God. This is important. In this way is seen the true love. There, there is a false love, John says. But I'm going to go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and 5. Now by this we know that we know him. Everybody still with me? Everyone still with me? All right, here we go. Watch. Now by this we know that we know him. This is huge. How many of you are like, yes, tell me. How do I know that I know him? Watch. If we keep his commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Don't make up idols. That means stop defining me based on a worldly definition of love. Let me tell you who I am and then worship me in spirit and in truth in truth watch he who says i know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoever keeps his word truly the love of god is perfected in him by this we know that we are in him how do we know that we are in him go to romans chapter 5 verse 5 Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. How? God is spirit and God is light. God is spirit and God is holy. And it's that Holy Spirit that is poured out because of God's love. And how you get that love is when you accept Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins. Isn't that what John said? 
But, but watch, this is what I've been trying to share. Society is so dead bent on saying, saying this, I don't need a savior because I'm not that bad. And all they've done is redefine what sin is. Well, this isn't sin and this isn't sin because love is this and love is that and love and, and love it and love and love it. And if we would just love, where the problem? Where the problem? Where does greed come from? It doesn't come from God. Where does abuse come from? It doesn't come from God. But if we just loved, we're incapable of loving in this supernatural, spiritual way without his help. And that's what we're talking about here today. I know this is heavy, but detoxing can be unpleasant. (laughs) Have you ever detoxed? So watch, it's by the Holy Spirit. Why am I sharing this? Because you see this in so many different ways. How many of you ever seen this sign? I actually was going to take this off the right-of-way. There was a house, and they had it right on the curb. And I'm like, dude, that's on the right-of-way. That's free game. (laughs) I did not do that. Because then this beautiful, loving father says, buy one. (laughs) And we we bought one, right? And so it says, in this house, we believe. Can I tell you, in this house, we believe God's word. But let's see what they believe. Okay, so it says, Black Lives Matter, absolutely, agree. Um, I'm a BLMer, I am. Brown Lives Matter. <laughs> right? I, you might say, White Lives Matter, and I would say, yes. You might say, Red Lives Matter, yes. Purple Lives Matter, I don't know who's purple, but yes. <laughs> Can I tell you, lives matter. So I don't, I don't disagree with that statement, that's perfectly fine. Women's rights are human's rights, yes, I agree. No human is illegal. Uh, that's true. Unless you're violating a country's laws. But let's keep going. Science is real. That is true. Science is real. Love is love. That is nonsense. Because what they mean by love is love is love is what I want it to be. No. No. God defines what love is. God defines what love is. And so you can go through as kindness is everything. Uh, kindness is, is love. You know, love is patient and love is kind, the Bible says. But, but let's keep going on this because this is important. This idea that, that we need to know God because knowing God makes all the difference. There is a passage. Listen to me very, very closely, guys. In Matthew chapter 7, that scares the fool out of some Christians. And I would say it should because Jesus said it for a reason. And I think he speaks to the church in this time, in this time. So he says, on the last day, in the last days, people will come to me and say, Lord, Lord. You know what passage I'm ta- which passage I'm talking to? Lord, Lord, in your name we did In your name we did, in your name we did. And I will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Do you see why John is saying, hey, to know God means to really understand his love. 
What if you have made a God in your image and you get to heaven and, or you get to the throne and he says, I never knew you. You go, I did know you, Lord. I did. No, 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 no. You knew a false God. Is it possible for someone to claim they know someone but be totally wrong about them? Let me give you a good example. I experienced this in a, in a really like odd way. I was at a gas station. I was putting, uh, putting gas in the car. This was when we first started our church and we've always had decals. And so I see a decal right up in the car next to me and the decal said Foundation Christian Ministry. So I'm like, that's our church. I said, man, you go to the, you go to Foundation. He says, yeah, I do. I said, man, that's amazing. What do you think of the pastor? You know, I go, what do you think of the pastor? Of course, I'm expecting him to go, pastor, you're all right. You know, he goes, oh, he's okay. He's okay. He's actually a pretty cool guy. He's a pretty cool guy. You know, I know him. He can be kind of funny. He can be this. He can be that. You know, and he starts describing all these things about me. And I go, now he's playing me. And I said, really? And then he goes like this to me. He goes, do you go there? And I say, I visit on occasion. (laughs) So I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of people claiming to know Jesus. Come on now. There's a lot of people claiming to know Jesus. This is how you know that you know is what John is saying. This is how you know that you know. Amen? This is how you know that you know is what John says. 1 John chapter 4 verse 8. He who does not love does not know God. And you have to love with... You say, Pastor, are you telling me that I should dislike certain? No, I think we should love people enough to stand on truth. When someone says, well, my lifestyle, or this is what I think, or this is, and I say, man, I love you, but that's not the truth. It doesn't change the way I treat you. I'm going to treat you with kindness and care and consideration. But I'm not going to let you say something over me that's not true. We've got to hold a scriptural line. How else will people know the love of God? How else will people know the love of God? So this is where we turn. I want to talk about love in a very practical sense. And this is where the message starts. Some of you are going, what? I got 15 minutes. I'll finish. Watch. John 11 is the story of Lazarus. There was a certain man... He was sick. His name was Lazarus. He's Lazarus from Bethany. He was from the town where his sisters lived also, Mary and Martha. So they sent word to Jesus, verse 3, Therefore the sisters sent word to him, to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, the one whom you love, or he whom you love, is sick. How many of you would love to be described that way? Come on, how many of you would love to be able to go to Jesus and say, Lord, it's me, the one whom you love? Can I, can I tell you, you can? The Lord showed me this in a miraculous way. I can remember being an early, uh, a young pastor and I was struggling. I was struggling through a very, very difficult situation. I remember going outside under the stars saying, I got to get a hold of the Lord. And so I just started praying and crying out to the Lord. And as I closed my eyes, I said, Lord, I need to know that you're with me and that you love me, God. And I opened my eyes, and there came the most beautiful shooting star. I told the first service, it must have looked like a Scud missile. I said, I don't know what a Scud missile looks like, but 
It was, it was amazing. It was a heavenly scud missile. You know what I mean? And God says, is that good enough for you? And I'm like, oh. He says, at the exact moment I knew you were praying that, I launched that. That shooting star for you. And then I started going, was it millions of years ago and he set it in motion? Or what did he, did he operate? He operates outside of time and space and he shot it into time and space at the time that I need. I don't know, Lord, but yes, I know. Can I tell you, he loves you too. He loves you too. And you can go to him and say, it's the one whom you love. So they say, the one whom you love is sick, Lord. He's sick. Now I'm going to drop down to verse 11 to what he says to his disciples. Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. I go that I may wake him up. So he's having a heavenly spiritual conversation, but his disciples are still in an earthly mind frame. Remember, we've been talking about love is what? Heavenly and spiritual. And sometimes we try to define it in very earthly ways by what we think. So watch what they say to Jesus. He says, Lord, if he sleeps, then he'll get well. He's just resting, right? And then Jesus says, watch this. Lazarus is dead. Can you imagine? He just brought them into... Anybody hearing what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying... You can't define everything in your world earthly sense because you have so many limits and I'm about to show you the limit. The limit is you don't have power over death. But I do. And so when I speak, I speak from a heavenly point of view, not just from an earthly point of view. Come on. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Thank you, Lord, that you go beyond what we can accomplish, what we can do. And so he says, Lazarus is dead. Now, did anyone find something odd about this story? The one whom you love is sick, therefore come quickly. But the Bible says that Jesus, if you back up, Verse 6, verse 6, he says, he heard that he was sick and he stayed two more days. Because he wanted to make sure that Lazarus was what? Dead, dead. Come on, is anyone going, Lord, the one whom you love? And you purposely hang around for two extra days so that you definitely don't get there on time? This leads us to these kind of questions. Why did you not hurry? Why did you delay? When you knew I was hurting, Lord, I couldn't sense you. Why did my business fail? Why did my partner do X, Y, and Z? Why didn't you why didn't you come and solve this problem, Lord? I'm the one whom you anyone feeling this right now? 
Anyone experience the pain and the suffering, the hurt of life, and then say, Lord, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. Why didn't you? Can I tell you? I think Garth Brooks puts it pretty well. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man who stares. Just because he made an answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Some of God's greatest gifts. Man, I wish I could sing like that. Oh, think about this. Isn't that true? Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Do you know what he did for Lazarus that day? He didn't do for anyone else. Oh, pastor, but he, he, he raised this person from the dead and he raised this person. No, all of them were within three days. He didn't even raise himself after the third day because the Bible says, according to prophecy, that he would not, what? Touch decay. But he did this for Lazarus, that Lazarus' faith might go to the next level. That Mary and Martha's faith might go to the next level. That everyone who witnessed it would know, even when decay, even when death has set in at this worst, worst time, even when the body is putrefied, even when there's no hope, no possible hope, Jesus can... Come on, some of you need to hear this. And maybe that's why Jesus is saying, I didn't do this in your way because I love you. I love you. I love you. And I wanted to reveal another facet of my love to you. Oh, come on. Another facet of my faithfulness to you. Another facet of who I am and how close I want to draw you to me. Because I want you to know that I work all things for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. Not some things, all things. And so when we ask, why didn't you? Why did? It's because he loves us. Now, a real, real important question that sometimes we ask is, Lord, why did you create pain? Do you realize the answer is the same because he loves you? There's a doctor by the name of Dr. Paul Brand. He lived from 1914 to 2003. He was a missionary's kid in India. He left India to go to England to study for his, for his MD. When he got back, he gave his life to serving the people of India and finding a cure for leprosy, also known as Hansen's disease. Up until he gave his life to do this, no one understood leprosy was one of the most horrific diseases ever. Why? Because your flesh literally rots off of you. You go blind. You lose every, everything just slowly. You say, but, but, but pastor, what did he do? He said, he faithfully served and he wrote a book describing what he found. He found that pain is a gift from God. Pain is a gift. Because up until then, they thought that leprosy attacked the flesh. It doesn't attack the flesh. It attacks the nerves in your body. And when you cannot feel pain, you hurt yourself, don't realize it, and then it gets infected. Come on, many athletes have found this out. When they hurt themselves and they go under pain medication or take 
pain injections, they can what? Numb the pain and hurt themselves irrevocably. Isn't that true? And so that pain, he says, is actually your friend. Why? He says, they would get infected in different parts of their body and it would start to, it would start to, to decay the flesh, but it's because of the pain they couldn't feel. It was said that one man was raking the ground with his hands and he didn't realize how hard he was raking it until he, he saw his hand was completely bloodied and torn from the thorns and the rocks. It got infected. And then they found something else out because at night they believed that the, the flesh would rot off the bone, that it would, it would progress at night. But what was actually happening, are you ready for this? What was actually happening at night, rats were coming in. And they couldn't feel. And so, so you say, but, but why, Pastor, why, why? I want you to know that, that what he discovered was that pain is God's way of protecting us. Do you realize that many of God's laws seem painful at first? God's discipline may seem painful at first. But what if it's to bless you? What if it's to show you his love? I want us to think about this in a different way. A different way. He found this and he wrote a book, which I love. Um, I love Philip Yancey as an author. And he wrote the book together, The Gift of pain. And as a Christian, he realized there's a gift. So why does God allow pain? Because he loves you. Let me ask you another question. Why did you create suffering, Lord? Notice the question, why did you create suffering? I didn't, he says. I didn't create suffering. Can I tell you, suffering is a result of sin. Man trying to do it without God. Saying, this is what I believe. This is what I think. This is what I want. Without God. I don't need God in my life. This is where the suffering comes from. This is where the brokenness comes from. Many people say, well, if there's so much suffering, then a natural question should be, is this the best God can do? No. This is the best we can do. Come on now. This is the best we can do. God isn't causing this suffering. This is the result of sin. Let me put it to you another way. Because some people would say, well, I just don't believe in God because of all the suffering. That's like looking at a beautiful World Trade Center building and admiring the architecture and and saying, wow, the engineers and all the craftsmen did an amazing job. And then watching a plane be flown into it like a missile and seeing the devastation and the hurt and the suffering and turning to that to that scene and saying, I don't believe in the architect anymore. I don't believe in the engineers anymore. I don't believe in the craftsmen anymore. Because of the pain and suffering, I just can't bring myself to believe in it. No, you would say there's evil and there's an evil entity that caused that pain and suffering, not the creator. That's why John 10.10 says, for the devil comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. In a rich and beautiful manner. That's what his word is about. You say, but pastor, I just don't get it. Because if all the pain and suffering is in this world, then 
then, then how could, how could there be a God? I love what C.S. Lewis says. My argument against God was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust. Isn't that what we're saying? Watch what he says in Mere Christianity. It seems so cruel and unjust. But how had I come to the idea of justice and injustice? A man does not call a line crooked or crooked unless he what? Has some idea of a straight line. So there's no God because there's too much suffering. There doesn't make any sense. This world is horrible. But how did I know that? Unless God put a straight line in me called my conscience that helps me recognize pain and suffering. And that's why I should turn to him and say, Lord, you're the only solution because our solution cannot be from this world. It has to come from heaven. And that's why Jesus came from heaven into our world to meet us right at the point we needed. Right at the point we needed. Yes. Why did he come? Well, it's summed up in this last question. Why did you suffer, Lord? Because I love you. So there's two basic things that the Lord typically says when you're going through a hard time, when you're you're trying to make sense of things. Because I love you or I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Can someone just let that minister to your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit? Why did my marriage, why did my job, why did the economy, come on, that's a good one. Why is there so much inflation, Lord? Why did you do this? I didn't do that. I didn't print all that money. True that, right? Why is... This horrible thing's happening in my family. I didn't do that. But why have you allowed it? Because I love you. And I want you to see that in any circumstance, in any situation, I I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be there. And I will show myself strong when you are weak. When you are weak, I will carry you. I will love you. You can count on me. You can count on me. Can someone hear that from the bottom of God's heart? You can count on me. And this is why he came. For God so loved the world. Come on, what did John say? God is love. And this is how you know that God is love. That he sent his one and only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know how much he loves you? I'll tell you how much he loved Mary and Martha because he said, I waited so that you might believe. And when belief happens, everything changes. When belief happens, everything changes. Everything changes. Watch what he says to Mary and Martha. He says, 
He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. He's saying, this world cannot defeat you. I'm going to take you and minister to you and love you in a way that's beyond this world. Beyond this world. And when you put your faith in me, you're going to see. Oh, come on. Watch, watch. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. They stand there and go, how can we not believe? Through the pain and through the suffering, he's going to say, come forth. Come forth. That you may believe. That you may believe. not about this it's about this it's about this if you're here today and you're saying I feel the Holy Spirit touching my heart I want to believe in that God in that God of the Bible I want to believe him at his word and I want to call out for his love. And the Bible says plainly, when you put your faith and trust in him, everything changes. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and gives you spiritual life. If you want to receive Jesus here today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And I want to pray with you. I see a hand. I see hands. I see hands right here. Right back here. Here in front. Come on, help me encourage them, church. I see a hand back there. Would you pray this simple prayer with me? But it's not the prayer. It's what's happening in your heart. Father God, today I confess with my mouth what I believe in my heart, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah that he is the son of God and I put my faith in you Lord Jesus from this moment on come into my heart and my life and by the power of your Holy Spirit save my soul and lead me forevermore I turn from my sin and I receive your forgiveness. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Because of your love, Lord, we celebrate. I encourage you to take the next step. Get involved in discipleship this summer. I love you, church. Have a great, great day.